some rappers. My jersey up too high in the rafters. I got a problem team do life and attractors. Soon sipping that moonshine and a flash. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Moonlighters Club. It's your host Joel and me, Kelsey. Hi. How you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing quite well. We talked a little bit before we started recording. Where are you from? I am originally from the cornfields of Indiana and I'm a Ball State Cardinal College of Architecture. And then I moved to Chicago for about 10 years and now I am in Phoenix. Why architecture? What were you always, were you just, did something make you want to go that way? Were you skewing that way when you were younger? I think I said I was going to be an architect since about third grade. Wow. It was because that's about the age that I feel like in school that they start talking about jobs or even the fact that that's a thing. And I probably veered off a couple times into other things. But for the most part, I just stuck to I wanted to be an architect. I was an artist. I was always very creative and I was good at well, I was good at science and math, even though I never learned my addition facts. I can't add my head at all. So thank goodness for cell phones. Shout out to all the teachers that said you won't have a calculator in your pocket Yeah, when you're old. Well, I do. (laughs) I'm doing just fine. And so architecture just seemed like a neat, creative thing. You know, you think of Brady and the, the TV architects that you see and they're drawing big pictures of skyscrapers and stuff. And that's not really how it is, but that's what I thought it was going into it. So it just always sounded really, really fun to me. I used to always want to be a cartoonist. Because I, I grew up reading the Sunday Funnies and in the Boston Globe, and Calvin and Hobbes was my favorite. I was almost there, except I can't draw at all. So that sounds like all right. That would be not that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's <this is> not happening. <laughs> so you, so when you're at the Ball State, is that like what kind of a program is that? That's just one of those I have no idea, like it how intense it can get. Is brutal. It it's very much a weed out kind of program. They kind of punish mm. you in order to get you to quit. So the people that make it through. <laughs> don't sleep a lot, drink a lot of Mountain Dew and live in studio pretty much. So it was interesting because it was a wonderful and horrible experience all at once. It was <laughs> yeah. awful because you just work too much and you were always in studio. But it was also wonderful because you had that group of friends and this group of people yeah. that you just became family with. So it, it was kind of a hard thing to go through, but a hard thing to yeah. leave as well, because you just had this this family that you grew with over five years of college. So, yeah, when you so when you when you leave out of that, is there in terms of the market, is it is it a buyer's market? Yeah, it depends, goes up and down depending on the market. So I got my first job in 2006, thank goodness, and there were jobs available and I was able to get pretty much the job that I wanted in Chicago. And then 2007, eight, nine happened mm. and I was holding on to it for dear life because nice. it was architecture was definitely a career that got slammed by the recession. Yeah. So it was every single day you were coming into the office and people were getting taken into the conference room and let go. Mm. And you're just sitting there thinking, Oh, don't come to my desk. Don't come to my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what type of the work did you do? Were you working like, is it just like a big firm and uh, developers walk in? Like, what, like, yeah, I'm curious. It was a pretty big firm. I actually did healthcare architecture, which if you would have said, what kind of architecture do you want to do? I wouldn't have known. In college, I got an internship at this particular firm. Had no idea anything about healthcare architecture. Now I know more about PET scanners and CTs and MRIs than I would ever want to know. <laughs> so you're like designing that type of yeah. stuff? 
Oh wow. yeah. Designing hospitals and imaging centers and medical office buildings and things like that. So oh. it was, yeah, in college you designed museums that don't have any structure or anything to hold it up. It's all just imaginary fluffy yeah. drawings. And then I went straight from that into health architecture where they said, here's the physicist report of the Gauss lines for the MRI. And blah, blah. I'm like, God bless you. What did you just say? <laughs> so it was a lot of learning on your feet and definitely learning a lot of acronyms because I went, didn't know anything about the healthcare field at all. And they throw, yeah. throw around a lot of acronyms. So. Where does the, I know that, you know, the recession came in at 08, but like if, if you put that aside and it's like regular day, is it just something where these hospitals are consistent? Is it like hospitals or is it the providers of these machines or is it like a mix, like random people walking in and. It's mostly healthcare systems. So healthcare systems, and okay. things definitely are always changing and there's new hospitals getting built all the time. You wouldn't necessarily realize it, but. There's replacement hospitals. There's these little yeah. rural hospitals. And a lot of it, too, is, oh, we need another, you know, imaging scanner. Can we convert this department into another imaging scanner? So you got to tear out the guts of the building and put this in. And so we do all of that, too, of just redesigning existing structures. So I hope you're not wow. asleep yet. but <laughs> No, because I, I, I always I, – I think – I mean, sure, like I know you're doing it for healthcare, which I don't know a lot about, mm -hmm. but I always thought architecture was interesting because it's like, well, doing this podcast, I meet a mix of like creative and like functional. Mm -hmm. And I feel like me personally, I live not all the way, but like skewing. It depends on the day. I feel like a lot of times when I come up with an idea, I skew too heavy creative. <laughs> so like we'll do, we did these in-person showcases, which went well, but in my mind, I'm like, it's going to be nuts. Fireworks. We're going to have all the, like, it, like uh, how it's going to play out. And then we got here, it was at a brewery and we're like sitting on pallets. And I'm like, all right. So what I had isn't what I thought. But I think architecture is interesting because you have all these ideas of what, how things can look. But then they also have to stand up yeah. and not fall down. So then you got to like, I always thought it was interesting how you go from that to the point of where it's done. And then you have this finished product, this finished thing. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. And a lot of people don't realize, too, that the architect does everything from, you know, oh, I'm going to design this beautiful, in my case, hospital or exterior of a building that's this artistic something with a canopy. And and then we also have to pick out the toilet paper holders. So, really? it's, yeah, it is every <laughs> level of everything that goes into that building. The architect is pretty much looking at. So what is that industry like? Is it is it pretty? Is it? stressful it's pretty feast or famine it's a career that's very project-based so you go through the waves of we've just finished that project i can breathe for a second and then a new project starts you'll be on that depending on what kind of building you're doing or what kind of project it might be six months it might be six years that you're working on this particular thing wow. and for sure there's the deadline crunches where i knock on wood never really did many all-nighters but there's it, it's it's huge slams of work and then it's well we have to wait on feedback for this and so it just kind of dies down for a while and different yeah. phases of the project or different intensities so it's and I think that's what drew me to it too is that every day wasn't the same you didn't yep. go in punch a clock do the same thing it was every single day was something different for the most part and how big was the firm that you were oh gosh I've been at a few now the first one I was at was 
maybe 300 people, I think. They had a few offices. I worked at another firm that was thousands with offices across the country. Interesting to see because they did the state, they did big stadiums and things like yeah. that too. That I never worked on those, but yeah, I've never got to work for a company that was that large. I've <laughs> always been curious. Oh, and I, I, I tried, but I always get stopped at the same place because the interview process is so different than a small company. So I'm like, I have no idea how to fill out these essays just to submit this. <laughs> and I would fail every single time. I'm like, all right, I'll just stick to the small stuff yeah. outside of architecture. Has, did you do things like creatively, like for fun? Absolutely. Projects for, yeah. yeah. I've always been drawing or tinkering or making things and it's never really been just one thing. I always, I grew up making miniatures of all the silly things. I would make little miniature versions of board games and things. Just nice. make things. I've made board games. I've made artwork. I've painted. I've screen printed. I'm always dabbling. And the, the, I, I learned to screen print. A really good friend of mine taught me how to screen print. And I was, I do it like, it had to be dark. So I did it in my bathtub, in the bathroom in my Chicago apartment. <laughs> but it was, that's what I would, I couldn't wait to come home and screen print and see how the screen turned out. Definitely didn't have the facilities to do it at the time, but I was always wanting to try something new and try different mediums. What exactly is screen printing? So there's lots of different ways to do it. I do it with this stuff you put on the screen it's called photo emulsion and it's light sensitive so you can print out your design on a clear transparency and then it's light sensitive so when you put it in the light it like burns that into the screen and then you can wash away the part that you're going to print through so it's just this piece of cloth that ink can go through um where it's not blocked out by your design and you're able to print something over and over and over again so I actually learned to do it for the first time for my wedding invitations, which is super smart to do something yeah. brand new for your wedding invitations, but it, it turned out. <laughs> you didn't pay the $800 to get 30 no. invit. My wedding was the most, oh, I hated it. Every, and I I love small business and vendors. I couldn't, you know, but it's like really napkins. All of this is like, all. Of yeah. so you're, you're making, you're screen printing in your bathroom, which I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah. When you did creative projects, was it just for you to have? Would you share it? Pretty much. And people would ask me for things. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I can make that. And I can't tell people no. That's probably how most of this started up. So it's, couldn't you do this? I'm like, yeah, I could. And I would figure out how to do it. And But nobody ever really took advantage, I wouldn't say. It was always just close friends that were excited about what I was making because I was excited about what I was making. So for sure, when I started making artwork and things, that's how... Scenic Route Shop evolved into what it is today was I made a particular kind of artwork for my boyfriend at the time, now husband, that he just loved and showed it to other people. They started asking, oh, can you make this for me? Sure. And then other people, oh, can you make this for me? And so it just started turning into requests and me doing it in my free time at my own pace because I was absolutely still working a job. So at what point? What triggered you to say I should sell stuff and said, you know, because I, I feel like that's a hard transition from when you're just like being nice where you're like, wait a second, I can actually do this. Definitely. I think that whole process took about five years. It wasn't wow. something okay. that I decided overnight. I sell a lot on Etsy and that's okay. been around for a better part of a decade, I think. And so that was always in the back of my head is there's this great platform 
supports small artists. It's a way to sell things without having to market yourself and make your own website and figure out e-commerce and all of that. Uh, so that was kind of, oh, I could do that. Or other people would say, oh, you should sell your stuff. And that's always the fun comment that's easier said than done. Like, yeah, I should. How do I do that? Um, so I think in 2012, probably, I started to think, hmm, maybe I should sell some stuff online. What if I turned this evening's activities into something that I could sell? Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually started with Grace Street Design because I lived on Grace Street, which is the worst okay. name because it's so hard <laughs> to say. And I thought I was going to do wedding invitations because that's what I had done. And then I realized I hate weddings. And yeah. so... <laughs> terrible. It was just, yeah, I wasn't a fan. And then I thought, oh, I'll do paintings because I did a painting for somebody. And then, and it just kind of was always a thing. I thought, yeah, I'll do that someday. And I never really dove into it. And then uh, I started liking architecture less and less and less. <laughs> I thought, hmm, what if I do start something on the side in order to make some money? And then maybe I could get a different architecture job where it's not where it could supplement versus be my full time job. And so it just turned into. 2017, I had just started a new job, which is a perfect time to start a side business too, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Cause it, you're already you got the orientation. You're not too, <laughs> not yet. You got a little grace period. So you're yep. like, all right, cool, cool. If you're late on an email, you're like, oh, I just got here. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. We were supposed, like, <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed uh, to respond and go to all these meetings yet. Just got here. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, after five years of thinking, oh, I ought to do this and having a lot of people say you should sell stuff because they thought that the things I were make, was making was good enough. It wasn't just crafty things. It was things that could be an actual sold product. I went ahead and signed up for an Etsy shop with a better name. And Scenic Route Shop was born with 12 products that were, looking back, pretty poorly designed, horribly <laughs> photographed. But I thought, I'm going to do this tonight. And if I don't get these up tonight, I'm never going to do it. And I just, one night, August 1st, of 2017, I listed 12 products and nice. sat there and it sat there and it sat there. <laughs> and I don't think I made a sale for, a, I think I made a sale the next month and then a sale the next month. And nice for sure was not an overnight success. So that first sale must've felt so good. Oh, it like, did. Yeah. And I was sitting at work when it came in and I think I had to just run out and call my dad and tell him because I was just busting and like I nice. can't tell people at work but ah, nice. I just made a sale so you should have watched that I'm like I quit I'm done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that came later <laughs> I got it you have a question what 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 was it about architecture that was what was it just the fact that you'd been doing it for a while that you got tired of it or um, there's it was not creative at all I felt like mm. it was all contracts dealing with contractors dealing with problems just getting yelled at all the time by yeah. people. So it just wasn't creative in any way. And the few times I got to design something, it, they'd kind of pull it out from under you. So yeah. it's just very frustrating because it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. I, I, I don't, it's each their own, but I just can't get, but I don't understand people who can work in situations like that or roles that call for that. Like, mm -hmm legal like i have like random legal conversations i'm like how can you be a lawyer all the time like especially litigation 
or something where you're just looking at words and yeah. looking at words all day. And I'm like, oh my God, there's no, how do you, this stimulates you? I would, I would just drive me insane. It would be exhausting. And I feel like but, the architecture career too, as you get promoted, you do less architecture. You get promoted yeah. out of what you used to like to do. And now you get to do more meeting minutes and then it's more contracts and then it's more employee evaluations and things that I didn't really want to do. I wanted to be an architect, but they kind of promote you out of that and you become more business than design. So yeah. One of my good friends, former guests, Jake Roundy, he was an editor. He just loved editing. We still work together and loved writing and he kept getting promotions and he kept getting upset because he's like, I don't want to be in meetings. (laughs) He's like, I don't want to give one-on-one evaluations. And that's what I think is the number one issue I have with, promotions is like the whole management idea Mm -hmm. that if I'm good at this, I get it. You think I teach people all day and it's a whole, you know, McDonald's, you know, don't be in the business, work on the business. And you're like, I get that. But in terms of, of employment, not entrepreneurship, I don't really want to, I'm like, I just want to keep doing this for like more. (laughs) I don't want to have to just, just yell at people all day. I don't find that. I don't think it's advancement. Like I don't, Promote my paycheck, but not my. <laughs> what I'm doing. So you're getting those first sales. You're feeling how you are about architecture and the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Was it? Did you consciously say, "Okay, I have to get out of here by a certain date," or I have to stop doing this? Or was it? Yeah, I, how were you feeling about everything? Yeah, I did not have a date. I didn't actually leave architecture until 2019. So I did this on the side for two years. Um, And the day I decided it was a car ride with my husband and we decided that day, like had no idea leading up to it that that was going to (laughs) be the next day I was going to quit my job. Uh, But it, it began to pick up the very first drawings I did, all of them were hand drawn. So it was very labor intensive. And then I started to get more and more orders and it gradually increased. So I was staying up late after work, trying to get these orders done. And I was starting to get a little worried that maybe the quality was starting to go down because I'm rushing. Yeah. And then I got my first, I got invited to do my first art fair. And that was when I pivoted and started doing prints because nice. I realized very quickly I can't do, you know, 200 hand-drawn pieces to sell at an art fair. Yeah, no. And so that changed things and I was able to do it on the side for longer because I was able to produce more pieces in a shorter amount of time. And then that started to ramp up. And then probably, oh, I think it was November of 2019. I was, I had two big art fairs coming up. One was the Pinners Conference, which is by Pinterest. And okay. so that was a pretty big one. I wanted to have enough things for that. And then I had another small one, pretty much back to back. So I was just scrambling up till midnight, trying to build my tent and things. And of course I'm an architect, so it's way over designed. I'm using steel studs. It's got walls and shelves. It's ridiculous Nice, because I can't not do that. And we got in the car to go pick out our puppy. We were getting a puppy too. So all these things happening at the same time. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get ready for this conference. And then we had to figure out how to find a puppy walker. And because you have to let a puppy out every two hours. Yeah. And we're like, what if I quit my job? (laughs) Like, hmm, that might make a lot of sense. So it was, it wasn't a grand scheme. I definitely was headed towards becoming a lot more successful and a lot more orders coming in. But 
I didn't have a drop dead date and there wasn't a, oh, I hit this threshold, therefore I get to quit. It just kind of fell into my lap. That must have felt really good. It that, that. was amazing. That was probably but, one of the best days of my architecture career was <laughs> <laughs> leaving. Yeah. I, yeah. The, I, I have an idea for a movie. I keep on saying I, I have to make this happen one day, but I want to call it like two week notice mm-hmm. or just a notice. And it's like when you finally say goodbye, that time span of when you're still there, but yeah. you know you're gone. Everyone else knows you're gone. And it's just like it's so euphoric. There's nothing like yeah. it. Yeah. So I gave them four hours notice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just burn the bridge. I blew it up. So, but it was, we won't go into that, but that it wasn't, I, it wasn't uncalled for. Let's just say that. <laughs> I, okay. So it must've been, a, I assume a stressful kind of, it just wasn't yeah. a, the best environment. No, it wasn't. And I had just wrapped up. I didn't leave anybody hanging. I had just wrapped up my project. So it was, I didn't hurt any of my peers at all. That's the only thing I ever worry about when I leave is like, are are like humans, the humans here, are you yeah. guys, are you all good? The company, I don't, yeah, you, you'll be fine. But the people, it's like, okay. But honestly though, it's, it's, I can understand it. I've, we've all been in situations where you're like, I just want to, I just hate it here so much. Like, cause sometimes mm-hmm. the job you're at can foster that. I salute you. There were places that I've been to where I should have left then. And just yeah. been like, fine. Cause in reality, when you get fired, <laughs> normally they're just going to ask you to leave and have somebody yeah. escort you out. You don't really get a grace period. They don't <laughs> have just, to give you two weeks, but uh. there was a, it's funny. There was an article I read in the New York times about quitting loud and proud. I just read it. It was like a day ago about people, especially with COVID and everything. People are just like, I hate it here. I have to mm-hmm. get out. And just like TikToking it or taking videos. It's written by Emma Goldberg. It's actually pretty cool. If you ever get a chance to check it out. And it was that. It's people just like, I've been ha- unhappy for so long. I didn't even know that I could just leave. You know, yeah. it's just you're taught not to. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations. I've never gotten <laughs> to do that. I'm jealous. Well, you. it's not something I'd necessarily recommend. It was stressful <laughs> doing it too, because you do feel kind of like a jerk. Yeah. But until you're in the car on the way home, you're like, oh my gosh, this is fabulous. I don't have to go back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So you, how do you think you were getting the, how were you getting the word out about Scenic Root Shop when you were fun, getting invited to the fairs and getting more sales? Were you actively like just like messaging folks or doing ads and stuff like that? Not really. It was a lot of it was just through Etsy and you can do Etsy ads, but they do nice. a lot to support and market. I'd say marketing and getting my word out is the thing I'm the worst at yeah. by far. And I'm trying to get better at that. And it's paid off. I'm learning to do that more and more and trying to reach out to different things and diversify where my sales and my business is coming from. But no, the growth really just came slowly through Etsy and it's, it's not a overnight thing either. I think a lot yeah. of people think, oh, I can make quilts. So I'm going to start up an Etsy shop and make a million dollars overnight. But it, it took me two years to even begin to think, oh, I could quit my job. So. Yeah. I, th- I think the difference between successful, the people I've met are, is, is what you're doing when things aren't happening is what mm-hmm. separates it because there's, and that's kind of why I want to start this podcast. When you hear these stories, you hear them after the fact and you never have, it's so hard to have a timeline attached to these things. Like when I hear about Facebook, I thought, I think like, oh, this year and then like the next year. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> there's like all this other stuff in the middle. It, it, the business does really, it could be sports. You're like, oh, you didn't just wake up and make the leak. No, there's like all no. this gray area. Well, and my shop started with 12 pieces. I now have 320 different drawings that you can choose from. So nice. 
yeah, over that time you, you grow, you re-photograph your stuff, you're figuring out what do people want, you're making new products, you're taking products off. So it's just a lot of jumping in head first and then deciding what works or throwing spitballs at a wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you quit, you broke free from the chains mm-hmm. of corporate bondage or you, is this Chicago? No, this was Phoenix. Oh, you'd already moved. Why, why, why'd you move? Just, you know, weather heat. Yeah. Heat. Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> so you're out now that you have the time. Did you know what to do with the time you got? Or was it you kind of, did you did it take a couple of days? Be like, oh wait, like this is weird. Oh no, I dove right in because nice. I knew I already had my to do list of oh I've got to do, and I had an art fair in two days. And wow, yeah, I did not miss a step of working on my website and getting ready for the art fair and just diving in. I I haven't really had a slow period since so. <laughs> So for everyone who doesn't know, can you describe Scenic Root Shop? One, where'd that name come from? And two, what is the business? Sure. So Scenic Route, and I say route, other people say I was say going route. to say route, but I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can be pronounced either way. The name kind of started, it was a long development of trying to find a name because there's the, oh, I want it to be a cool name, but it also has to be available on social mm. media, on website, on, you know, so I came up with a lot of really good names that other people had already thought were really good names and had them. So, but scenic route came from the idea that my pieces are things that people enjoy that like help them to slow down in life and take it all in. And so that's taking the scenic route. You get off the beaten path, these enjoy the view, enjoy what's around you. And that's what I want my drawings to be or the things that are around you that you enjoy the most. So, that's where the name came from. The style came from those pieces back in 2009, those line art drawings that I made for my now husband. And it just evolved and evolved. Those were done in watercolor, then they were done in pen, and now they're prints. And it's just simple line drawings of skylines and pets and national parks and landmarks, landscapes. I could go on and on. But kind of the idea is it's something that you can look at and One of the best examples was at the art fair, there was a picture of a Labrador that was up and somebody would walk by and say, oh my gosh, it's Muffin. And then someone else would go go by and say, oh my gosh, it's Max. And everybody's looking at the same drawing, but they see their dog. So it's not a piece of artwork that's so detailed that you're seeing what I'm seeing. It's something where you see your own hometown or your own dog or your own vacation and it helps yeah. you remember that. So that's so cool. I love your line art. I I, I, yes. I love skylines, but they look just it just I love minimalism. I don't yeah. know why, but it just it's just so like you said, it means something. It's weird. Like it does provoke something. Oh, nice, Charlotte. You oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Boise, nice. So cool. How do you so when you were getting more types of prints out? Is that a long process in determining what you want to make? Is there like, yeah, how do you even reason that? Like, we're going to sell this, we're going to sell this. I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that I've retired that I thought, oh, certainly people want a sailboat. I don't think I've sold one sailboat ever. And it just was something that I thought that the more generic it is, the least I sell, it seems Mm. like. So 
I don't know how I decide. A lot of it comes from client requests. If somebody requests a skyline or a location that just sounds like it would be a popular place, I tend to add it to the shop. I do custom pieces too that sometimes get added to the shop, but a lot of it was just talking with friends and family too of what do you think? You know, I have these 12 skylines. Now I have 40. Which one do you think should be next? So it just kind of has organically grown. There hasn't been a master plan. (laughs) Did you ever, did you ever share this with other people? Anyone you worked at, like kind of, did they know like, Hey, this is that you did that. You did this in your free time. I I, I draw it. Wow. (laughs) Is that frowned upon? Not necessarily. It was probably frowned upon given how much, attention I gave it, but not really. It was more just, I didn't want to deal with questions every day or I just wanted yeah. to kind of keep the two separate. One was my happy place and one was not. And so I didn't want to make <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So now, so how do you split your time between business stuff and creativity? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of the hardest things when you, you say, oh, I'm an artist. People think, oh, you just draw all day. I'm like, yeah, and do marketing and learn websites and finance and copyright and blah, blah, blah. And um, I keep a pretty healthy to-do list going that reminds me of all the stuff I have to do that I don't want to do. Mm. And then when I get frustrated with that, I tend to go do the creative stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the best things I read a article once and I know it's not a novel idea but it's each day of the week you try to focus on something else so Monday's products Tuesday's finance Wednesday's social media Thursday and so you kind of start out the day and say I'm going to tackle this task of this day and it might not be what you want to do because every day I say I'm doing something creative or something product based which is fantastic but for sure to fit in the other stuff and to make sure that I continue to do it, I try to keep a little bit of a structure. And uh, and my husband's an engineer, so it was never, oh, I'm just going to sleep in and get up and watch Hallmark Channel and have my coffee and then go get <laughs> to work. I just kept, kept the same schedule. We get up at 5.30, we walk the dogs, he goes to work, I go to work, he comes home, I end my work. So it really kept it, oh, seven to six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably kind of structured day, um, is really what keeps me on track and keeps me getting things done. Yeah. But so. you gotta, yeah, you have to treat it like, you gotta treat it like it's, it's, it's important. Yeah. It's, it's really my like, job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, not a hobby anymore. It is my job. So is there anything that you make that, that does feel like work? Or are there any drawings you make? You're like, Oh my God, another, Another poodle. I'm really terrible at drawing cats. I feel like I should say <laughs> that out loud, but I really struggle with it. I could draw dogs all day long and I can knock those out of the park first try. I'll just proudly say that. But cats are just brutal. And whenever I get a custom cat, I just, I don't know. I can't get their faces. I can. I, people like them, but I think that's probably the thing I dread drawing the most. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about cats or cat people. Like dogs, like dog people are annoying until you get close to dogs and you're like, God, you're so nice. Like it just, it's just that they're the joy and love is so seductive. Cats are so independent that yeah. 
I still understand like because they're just you know chilling and like walking around and doing stuff. So people are like super into cats. Like I get it, but I don't really get it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's, like, I don't know. I guess I've known cats that are a lot like dogs, and I'm mm. kind of like then just get a dog. But yeah, right. Yeah, I get it. I, but it's just hard because I feel like they don't have the expression and things that dogs have in order to draw them. So I think yeah. that's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. I understand I, that they're just as loved, but boy. <laughs> do you occasionally or have you ever thought of doing like larger projects? Maybe not just for like, not for normally occurring clients, but maybe just like an artistic expression. I want to make this larger thing or grand thing or it could be for me or a company or whatever may have you. Like, I think as far as scenic route shop, I try and keep it pretty dialed in. I don't want to get too far off the rails as to the type of thing I make or what I do, but I still, even with a creative business, still do things on the side. I just made a Harry Potter Monopoly game. Nice. Which is ridiculous. I'm a dork. I love Harry Potter, but I definitely do creative random projects. That has never stopped. Nice. So. Nice. I can, Harry Potter is the one I can't, I, need, I think I need to start from the beginning. <laughs> and, and do it over because I, I i think i'm angry it's like harry potter and game of thrones i usually get into anything fantasy sci-fi or just medieval fantasy but those specific two things i missed the boat on i'm going to try harry potter again from the very beginning to see if i can get into it everyone in my family loves it everyone around yeah. me loves it i'm like all right it's me it's not you it's me i'll try to figure well, it out i think it depends on when you got into it too though if you didn't get into it from the beginning i don't know because I was into it before even all the books were out, so. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know what it is, maybe it's the wands, I don't know, it's just not maybe. convincing, it's not convincing, is terrifying, but that one dude is pretty, pretty, uh, the, the Voldemort dude, he's pretty, Yeah. it's pretty nuts, I like that guy, so uh, I'll try, I'll try again. Well, the books are way better than the movies. Are they? I the books or the audiobooks. Okay, nice. I highly recommend the audiobooks, the narrator for those is great. Yeah, okay, cool. What do you, what, yeah, what do you like to do for... And I'll set this up when I'm not working, like outside of watching something that's like a cartoon, like anime or like The Simpsons. I don't know. Animation, anything that's animation it could be an adult movie or whatever, but it just speaks to me more. I also like to just watch this app called Curiosity Stream. So I'll just watch animal documentaries all the time. I don't know why. That's like a happy place for me when I need a recharge. For you, what types of inspiration are, what's your safe place where you maybe get a source of inspiration or rest when you're not working not drawing, not doing anything? It's definitely traveling and hiking. I have to get outside. Mm. And that was a big part of moving to Phoenix was you get to be outside a lot. I live where we can walk to the mountain preserve and go hiking. Nice. Yeah. I have to get outside, fresh air, sunshine, the crunch of gravel. That's what I need to reset. I'm not a TV or movie person at all. So you chose probably the best place for that. Like I didn't get to go to the mountains when you're out there. My messed up. Where were the really good ones? Is that Sedona? I can't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. Good stuff. And we didn't get to go, so I, I want to get back just to see it. And you see it when the plane comes in. You're like, oh, okay, I get oh, yeah. it. Um, well, and don't come in May. Come no. in February. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. December. <laughs> yeah. The only place I thought was close to that was Seattle. When you, oh, uh, yeah. everything around it, I thought was just like, it's just peaceful. It's just nice. Yeah. So I think Rainier is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's cool. That's a good way to kind of, kind of yeah. unwind. So and we have 
we have a goal of going to all the national parks. So ah. we have a wall in the house that has photos. It's 60, is it two or three now frames Yeah, for the ones that we haven't been to have a placeholder in them, but the ones we've been to has a picture of us with the sign. So we've done all of the parks in Alaska and that's just unreal. If you really? haven't been to Alaska, you have to go to Alaska. And I don't mean a cruise. I mean, go to Alaska. I heard Alaska is so beautiful. Oh, it's incredible. And it's just so wild. I mean, the first moose I saw was flying over the suburban of the truck in front of us that hit it. What? On the highway. I'm like, this happens? How did that just happen? Yeah. It was just crazy. And we went to Katmai and saw all the bears and <sighs> Lake Clark. And you just see things out in the wild that you think, how are they not getting taken care of? How does this bear or moose or whatever just live here oh that sounds awesome it's just incredible all right that's that's next i got to go to kenya so we were by oh. i can't remember the name of the reserve but we were by the masai mara so but it's funny because it was december so it's not blazing hot but the it's actually kind of chilly uh, during the day most of those animals are just like the lions are just like we're sleeping <laughs> like hippos yeah. in the water like we're not getting out it was still pretty cool just to see. I think the 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 best part was like just looking at elephants and giraffes. You're like, how is this a real thing? I just yeah. seeing them eat, and it was just like nuts. And one night we went out. We actually saw a leopard kill a gazelle we, in the pitch like dark, and we had these flashlights. And when we would cut them off just to not startle anyone, you couldn't see anything out there. It was insane. You just heard animals in like the distance. And on the way back, we almost ran into a hippo because that's when they go out to graze at night. It was oh, it was goodness. nuts. So Alaska's next. Yeah. Well, I'll trade you because Africa's next for me. So nice. We got to do a safari. Nice. Good. Well, what's, do you have any milestones? You've been working on this daily. Do you have any things in store that you would like to accomplish within the next year or a couple of years? That's like, means a lot to you. So much. I have a list of probably different equipment that I would love to buy so Mm -hmm. that I could offer different products. But that has to come all gradually and slowly to be responsible. I definitely need to get more networking and get out into different publications and different, get my website going a little stronger, try to lean off of Etsy a bit is probably my biggest thing is to stand on my own two feet, not really party as much, but I have to brag a little bit. I did just get published in Real Simple magazine. Nice. Congrats. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm in their Christmas guide. So nice. That was my huge milestone for this year. That congratulations correspondent started in July and just now nice (laughs) happened. So that's one of the few things I've go over myself. I can schmooze. I'll schmooze like just from work. Just always work. I'm sales adjacent for so many years that it's like Small talk's in my blood at this point. So like networking and all that stuff is fine. But yeah, it's unfortunately, <laughs> you don't seem you're big into the schmooze of the small talk. Unfortunately, it's some people just really into it. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> well, and it's, it's a lesson you got to learn. Of The more you do it, the better you get at it. So right. I definitely need to just continue to practice on it. And it's kind of like going to the dentist. You sit there and make it worse in your head. But once you send that email, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, at this at this point, I'd like you to share where people can find your products. Yeah. Any publications or socials you'd like to share this time. Sure. Um, 
I'm on Instagram at Scenic Route Shop and my website's scenicrouteshop.com. And I'm also on Etsy if you search for Scenic Route Shop. Nice. So. Thank you. Well, uh, this Thank was you. good. I appreciate you taking the time for this. It's this was a, this was a good, nice, refreshing story. Now I have to quit in under four hours. I gotta be, I gotta beat your record. <laughs> yeah, but it's I always like to have these conversations to kind of see how far people have come along, and I admire your story. I admire the path oh. you took. There's again it, when you hear when I look at a website, I'm like, oh, this is cool. They must put this together, you know, quickly. Yeah. But you're like, no, nah, there's a whole life to this behind it, and it's. It's just yeah. really neat to see. For sure. I definitely think a lot of the stories people hear and gravitate to are the overnight successes. And I don't even know if those are always true. Right. And so I, I think it's better for people to hear the truth of this takes a long time. It's going to be on the side for a long time. And it takes a lot to grow it and takes a lot to maintain it. So. And also the the stories you have that success and happiness can come from so many different aspects of what you're doing. Yeah. And like that first sale feels great. You know, that first accomplishment you make, that first blocker you get rid of, you know, there's just so many ways to get happiness and joy and yep. accomplishment out of it that have nothing to do with, I don't need to be Jeff Bezos. I don't need to go to space, but exactly. I'm pretty sure I could still be really, really happy if I can inf infuse some passion into my day to day. So. Absolutely. And that's kind of a funny thing is I knew I wasn't crazy about my job, but the people, it was everybody from friends and family to neighbors and a, our pool guy that were like, wow, you seem so much happier now. And I yeah. thought, oh my gosh, was I that miserable? <laughs> and I think I was, and I did, it slowly built up, but I didn't even realize it was happening. And now that I'm doing this. People are regularly telling me how much happier I seem. So, Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Kelsey. I really appreciate it. Taking the time out of your day. For everyone who is listening, please support Scenic Route Shop. And yeah, support Kelsey. As always, you can find us, Moonlighters Club, on major podcast networks. And we hope to see you next time. Thanks, Kelsey. Thanks, Joel.